This is episode 68 of the Respawn Aim Fire podcast. We are the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast, formerly known as Split Screen Gaming Podcast. How many times can I say podcast? Well, here's podcast. some water. <laughs> it's been a while since we've started an episode with a water pour. I meant to open it this way, yeah. but then I didn't have the water in my hands fast enough. And so I was like, well, gotta say hey and ramp it up. Because we can't just like re-record or anything. That's crazy. Don't you can't say re. It's socially unacceptable. Oh, it is re-record. I don't care. Oh my god, I can't believe you. <laughs> oh man, we have some stuff for you today. We're going to talk about our game of the year so far. Kind of looking at what's come out this year, reviewing it. We're going to look at what we've played. Holden's played some Octopath. Everything. I think everything on this list we've already talked about before. So that might go pretty quickly. We're going to talk about Dead Space. What could have been. About Crackdown 3, because everyone's interested in that. But first, we're going to talk about the biggest news. I got Invisalign this morning. So I'm going to oh, have a little bit of a... Yeah, thank you, thank you. So that's the next 60 episodes of our podcast. I'm going to try to say as many <laughs> S words as I can. I mean, I can't audibly tell that you have Invisalign, so that's good. Shally, shall, she, shall, try to she, show. Okay, now it's really bad. <laughs> uh, you're really bad. I'm bad. I am bad. I'm bad, but no, really. Uh, let's talk about the Uncharted fan film that yesterday, yeah. Monday, July 16th, Mr. Nathan Fillion released. Um, did you watch it? I did watch it. I it is did. a 15-minute short from director, mm-hmm. what is his name, Ungar, uh, Alan Ungar. Uh, Al, yeah, Alan Ungar. Uh, has some, a few of those, like, people, that guy who is in that thing, mm-hmm. where, like, I know I've seen his face somewhere, and... I don't know his name, or I don't know where it was, but I've definitely seen him before. It has quite a lot of those actors in it. And it's like a completely mm-hmm. fan-made film. It is not a... Not licensed. It's unaffiliated or, with Sony at Exactly. All. Not affiliated with Sony or Naughty Dog. What are your thoughts on it? It's cool, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have strong feelings about Uncharted to begin with. But it well, was... Well, right, because you have no soul. Because I have no soul, absolutely. No, but I've always thought that Nathan Fillion was the perfect Drake. Just Nathan Drake, just simply because of his persona and who he is. But also he looks identical to him. They do look very similar. They look very, very similar. So he was the perfect choice for that. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty cool, I guess. It was kind of witty banter, just like you'd expect. I thought that Nathan Fillion filled that role of Nathan Drake very well. Everything he said, I'm like, yeah, I can see that being said in a cutscene of Uncharted. I um question for you was the setting it, it was Albuquerque? No, it was uh It looked like they said Albuquerque something in the beginning of it. I missed it. I thought No, uh, no, it was uh fucking it was something else in Mexico or something. I don't know. Oh, okay. For a second I could have sworn it said Albuquerque. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it was not that doesn't look like Albuquerque. That's not Albuquerque. Um It was just okay. A lot of people were like, "Oh my god, this is what we deserve. Make a whole movie out of this." It was just okay. The dialogue yeah, I thought I was lazy. Yeah. All the acting was bad. I've never really liked... I don't know if it was lazy dialogue. It was just nothing special about it. But thing, it did feel like dialogue that could be said in Uncharted. I guess, maybe. What I felt was the worst... That is and funny I feel like, Uncharted dialogue. Oh, definitely not. What I felt was the, was the worst is like all of the characters, I feel like... And this is something that I've always thought of Nathan Fillion in general... But Nathan Fillion, the guy who played Sully, the girl who played... Like, they were all caricatures of themselves instead of actual characters. And it's just like, you're not believable at all. You're just playing this... Do you this... think that's because it's a 15-minute short? 
Yeah, it's but it's basically also, like, one long scene. It's so cheeky and it's so I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it. Didn't yeah. enjoy it. Well, like everyone's like, I want this to go further, and I'm like, well, this looks like a web series. So at best, if they're gonna do anything with this going forward, it would be a cheeky web series. Yeah. I don't think it was bad, but I, I see what you mean. It was definitely kind of cheesy. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just not a Nathan Fillion fan like everyone else is. I yeah, en- like I him. enjoyed him in Doctor Horrible, but I liked him in Firefly. That was a good show. I never watched Firefly. I don't know. Everything I've show. ever seen him in, he's just like he's Nathan Fillion. And he's just like Oh this... yeah, he's always Nathan Fillion. But Nathan Fillion happens to be a lot like Nathan Drake. They do look very similar. I think they kind of act similarly as well. Your mom. Watch Firefly and tell me that he's I not. I watched an Nathan episode Drake of Firefly and I said no, thank you. Well, you need to watch the movie at least. Why would I watch Serenity without watching the rest of it? Cuz you don't need to watch. I watched Serenity first. Yeah, but you also like Mr. Robot, so Mr. Robot's an amazing show. You need to watch it. <laughs> My brother actually uh, told me to watch it this weekend, and he convinced me a little more than you ever have. So, what did and you say? I did watch the entire first episode, which felt like a hundred years, and I was so what did bored. He, how did he convince you? I'm curious. Uh, he was talking mostly about the like cinematic nature of it versus like all of the cinematography. And like there was some I'm stuff so in the third series. I know, okay. but I don't trust you because you love movies with J Lo in them. <laughs> I didn't like that movie. I went to go see it because it was bad. But, I like seeing bad movies. Um, as far as the movie itself goes, I mean, they already have one in production with Tom Holland, and by in production, that means it's been around for years and gone through multiple directors, and it's probably never going to happen. But yeah, no. So what? Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'd be shocked if it did. So Alan Unger claims he's also, he's also been reached out to. He won't say by whom, but he's kind of suggesting it's Sony, and he says that there might be areas that this could progress further. But there's no way that's going to be a movie. No. There's just no way. If no. Sony was like, wow, like was wowed by this. It's like, we need to get this guy on the phone, give him a $150 million budget. We're making Uncharted, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what's going to happen. God, all the Mexican cartel were just so bad in that. I will say that what was one thing that kind of bugged me is like, he's just in a random house that's just surrounded by dudes with guns. Yep. Like, that's not very uncharted. They should have tried to find a forest area to be in or something like that. Like, if you go to certain areas, even in America, you can find some rundown places that look like ruins. I'll run you down. They so, all done in all, let us know that you disagree with us on Twitter, and you'll get entered into this month's participation award. Participation, participation trophy! Holden, you didn't obviously play Uncharted this week, but you did play some stuff. What did you mm-hmm. play? Well, I'll start with the one I'll talk least about. That's Hollow Knight. I've played a little bit more Hollow Knight. Uh, I'm like 25 hours into that game now. Ooh. And I still don't feel like I'm close to the end. I can't believe how long it is. I'm she now stuck. That. I'm now stuck at one boss battle in particular called. It's something very similar to a Dark Souls name. They're called the Abyss. Knights or something like that. Very, very similar to the Abyss Watchers from Dark Souls 3. All right. <clears throat> also very similar to the Abyss, the James Cameron movie from the 90s. <laughs> very shockingly similar to, to the Abyss. And basically the boss battle entails possessed knights. They're like kind of dead on the floor. These like big round knights. Okay. 
and then they'll kind of be possessed by this kind of orange gas. And it starts off with just one, and one's really, really hard. And then all of a sudden, there's two of them fighting against you, and I've only been able to kill two total. So one on his own, and then one of them in the group of two. Then you realize there's five of them in the room in total. So, like, I'm nowhere near beating this boss battle. I don't know how to figure it out. Are you like, good at the... video games, even? I am good at video games, I oh, would okay. say. I was just checking. First, first, uh, first uh, player game, single player games, at least I am. But it's really, really hard, so just kind of put it down for a little bit. I'll go back to it in a second. But it, I stopped mostly because I got Octopath Traveler. Mm, tell me about that Octopath. Ooh, is it good? It is so, so, so good. Uh, it is different. I'm glad I actually saw reviews ahead of time because i think that this is an example of a i'm not gonna say poorly marketed but a not mismarketed but they didn't convey one aspect of this game that they should have conveyed strongly at least they've said this it's the story of eight travelers i think everyone assumed their tales would get too good combined together at the end of it yeah but they are just eight separate tales they don't connect. Apparently, that if you do play through all eight stories, like eight, there's like an the epilogue games, dungeon. Yeah. yeah, but it, apparently it's just like a boss rush. Basically, oh, okay. There's no like ultimate battle that you have to take down, like ultimate enemy that you have to take down. There's nothing like that. And knowing that ahead of time made me enjoy the game more because yeah. I think I was expecting these stories to build up to something a little bit more grand like the the team gets together and then takes down the big baddie it's not that it is eight small stories and like stories very small down to like one character wants to be the best apothecary he can so he's going to travel the world and become the best apothecary That's small in terms story. of scale not in terms of length yeah, the scale of the stories are are small. But I get the sense that the stories themselves aren't super long either. I mean, they say the game is about, like, I've heard 80 to 100 hours. hours. It's like 50 to 100 hours is what I've, what I've heard. And if you think it's about eight stories in that time frame, that's not super long for a video game story. When most of that is just the actual combat in between story segments. Mm-hmm. It's not one overarching tale. So if it was one tale, 80 hours, yeah, that's a big story. But they're just they're small stories that, are, that feel small as well. Granted, I've only done first chapters. There's four chapters per story. And each first chapter is about an hour in length. Okay. Like more, a little bit more than an hour in length, but not terribly long. Um, but that's kind of the weakest part of the game is the story. Although I, I, I am enjoying that it is smaller stakes. I think we don't see a lot of that in really any story medium. But the, the art style, I think we've gone on how good the art style is. Yeah. But the combat in the the battle system is so good. It is so strategic. It's really, really awesome. And that's what has kept me playing this game. Essentially, how it how it works. I, I explained a little bit of it last week. Yeah. But I didn't like do a great... Similar to the break system from... Yeah, I didn't explain it... Not exactly. Um, I didn't explain it very well because I didn't quite understand it fully yet. But essentially, it's a turn-based JRPG where, yes, there's a break system like you just mentioned. But it's a little bit different. So how it works is each enemy has a weakness. When you see an enemy for the first time, they just have, like, 
X amount of like question mark squares underneath them to represent what their weaknesses are. Once you hit them with something that is one of their weaknesses, it will reveal itself. Right. So there's kind of this challenge of, okay, I'm in the area that Primrose's character is from. She uses knives in particular, so I don't know what that enemy's weakness is, but it might be a knife or it might be wind because that's also one of Primrose's abilities. So you can kind of guess and kind of use your knowledge of the area to help you with that. All right. So it's kind of a nice moment, but you might also come across a situation where there are two very similar enemy types, but you don't have the weaknesses for one of them, but you have the weakness for the for the other. So you can kind of fill in the gaps. Next to the weaknesses is a little shield that has a number inside of it. The number is how many times you need to hit them with a weak with something they're weak against before they break. And when they break, their guard is down, and you can hurt them more effectively so you might run into a situation where you have four enemies with varying degrees of defense i've seen like three or four is like the high end for what i'm seeing right now but you'll see an enemy with just one um one shield bosses tend to have like seven or eight so they're harder to to break so that's on the enemy side on your side you gain a boost point every single time every single turn and you can use them at any point up to four at a time, or up to three at a time. And what those do is, if you swing your sword normally, you hit once. If you used two, bo- if you used a boost, you hit an additional time. So if you max it out and use three boosts, then you can hit that enemy four times. Or if you're using magic, that spell becomes a lot more powerful. Which again becomes strategic, because you might think, I want to use that spell right now, but if I wait until my boost can get higher, that spell with the same amount of magic power used can be a lot more powerful and then so your whole party can like everyone save up and then nuke an enemy in one turn exactly so this was usually what you're doing is trying to get your your boost their um their breakdown to time with you having a good enough boost to hit them but let's say in a boss battle you know i kept coming across this one boss where he would spawn these two enemies that in three turns would basically self-destruct and blow up and i mean really damage my guys so I had to figure out how to take care of them first while dealing with the boss. But their break was three uh, shields, and I had three turns to take them down. So it was, like, really tight to get the timing down to make sure I didn't die, basically. Like, if, I, if they hit me, I was done. So it became this really, you know, suddenly fast-paced, urgent matter I had to take care of. Or a boss might suddenly... Uh, say I uh, might have like a he, he you know like when bosses in, in RPGs will they won't attack you but they'll kind of build up power so their yeah. next attack is really powerful. One of those moments will happen and you realize oh I have to break him before he hits me because if he hits me I'm basically done. Yep. So then you're using your boosts to do additional attacks to get their their shield down faster. Because if you hit them with their sword three times and they're weak against the sword, well, that's three um, hits against their shield. So they went from eight to five. So you might have to use your boost to also get them down faster, but then you won't damage them as much once you do break their shield. Man, there's, you're there's getting a real lot inside of baseball right now. Was that? You're getting real inside baseball right I'm now. I'm getting real inside baseball, <laughs> but it, there's a lot of strategy behind it, and it's a really incredibly good uh, battle system in a JRPG. I'm really, really impressed by the battle system. It's it's absolutely the highlight of the game. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've also heard that like it's 
for those people who are not really into RPG JRPGs, it's mm-hmm. really accessible. Like it's it's a complex yeah. and deep, but also like simple enough to be accessible. Yeah, absolutely. System. Like if anyone's listening to this and going, "What the fuck is Holden talking about?" That's a lot he just mentioned. It is not that complicated when you get in and play the game. They lay everything out for you very, very clearly. And I haven't even gone into some of the other strategies to take into consideration, like seeing whose turn is coming up next and who's attacking next. There's a whole strategy involved in that and knowing who to break first based on who's going to attack you first. Like you'll get bonus points for going through a match untouched. Nice. There's a lot of really cool strategy. It actually, each little match feels like feels more important than any other battle in a JRPG has been. Do you ever have those moments where you're playing any RPG, really, with random encounters, and whenever you get a random encounter, you're like, oh, crap, Like I just wanted to get to my goal faster, and mm-hmm. these encounters keep popping up. Do you ever get annoyed with that ever? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like that doesn't happen in this game, because they space the encounters uh, in a good distance from each other, but I'm also really excited when I get to a battle because I enjoy it way more than the story. Well, that sounds awesome. It's it's really, holding... really good. I highly recommend it. It's up there for my games of the year so far. Today, Warrior64 on Twitter. Uh, go follow him if you don't because he is amazing at tweeting out deals and games and all this kind of shit and game leaks. Uh, he tweeted out a $10 off. Like, if you watch this ad on eBay, you get $10 off anything. And I use it to buy... A $50 Nintendo eShop card. And then I use that to download Octopath Traveler. So hopefully by next week I'll have played some of it. And I'll be able to gush with you. I'm really excited for you to play this. It's really awesome. I want to know who you start off with. What do you think of the combat? All that. Great stuff. I'm going to start off with the molester. Is that a class? (laughs) There's no no molester. Damn it. Wait, I meant dancer. (laughs) Oh, there's a dancer. There's definitely a dancer. And there's that is a dark storyline, man. That's what I've heard. Primrose is apparently the like the the best story of all the eight stories. Yeah, she's it's a really good story. Oh, also there's voiceover too, which works really well. Good, good. I thought it worked well. And like every JRPG, the writing can be a little cheesy at times. Yeah, that's, I think that's just kind of JRPG territory stuff. Jerpica. That's JRPG. Jerpica. Jerpica. Chad. Yeah. No one wants to hear about Octopath Traveler anymore. You're right. They want to hear about the games you've been playing this week. All right, I'll keep this short because it's a list that we've heard about before, but I just have a couple of new things <laughs> to add. Uh, one, I beat Just Shapes and Beats. Boom. Um, fantastic game. Again, definitely short list for game of the year for me. or mm-hmm. Maybe not game of the year, but like favorite games I've played this year at least. Um, I also played – I didn't know there was multiplayer on this thing, which is pretty cool. I've just been playing the story mode. So I played online a little bit, and you can play with up to four people, and you're going – it has, like, a three levels at a time from the, from the story mode. So it'll, you vote on the levels that you go through. If somebody dies, you can, like, rush over and save them and bring them back to life, and then you all, like, do a random boss encounter at the end. Pretty fun. And then I was also – I was home in North Carolina with my family for the week, uh, and my nephews and nieces are really young. They're around – most of them are, like, two to four. And my four-year-old nephew was like, what are you playing? Can I play it? I want to play it. What's that blue square? I was like, all right. So I turn on that party mode that I talked about last time, which I thought was just you let the screen go and do whatever. But it's no. It's like you guys are actually playing the game together. You just can't die. 
So that was fun oh, to be able nice. to turn that on for him, and we're avoiding the pink and fighting the boss and things like that. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool game. Again, super cheap, and I definitely recommend. Yeah, but it's a baby it. game. There's a baby mode in it. It's a baby game. It's called party mode, not baby mode. No, but it's babies baby do mode. like to party. Have you ever seen a baby on coke? Those guys. <laughs> uh, and then I played Luminous Remastered some more. Ooh. I played about twenty more minutes of the. <laughs> Story, not story. What you, you put called in a half the hour of mode? gameplay in like two weeks? Um, and then I played the puzzle part. Or no, it's not called puzzle. It's challenges or something like that. Yeah, it's challenge. Well, it's, it's puzzle like, and then it's complete this in two moves or less. Or yeah. oh, the mission mode. Mission. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'll come back to it. Yeah, I've done um all of them and the initial set they give you, except for one, which is clear out all. Um, all squares. Yeah. And normally I've done that in modes, in like the normal mode. But the configuration they give you, I just can't figure it out. I just stopped. Gotcha. Yeah, I did it's maybe hard. like eight or nine of the missions. And after about a half an hour, I was just like, I just don't think I enjoy this game. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't w- put any weight, though, into the mission and puzzle modes. Well, I mean, if even just the played... regular mode. That's the, the regular mode I played for like 20 more minutes. And then the mission okay. mode I did like eight or nine of those challenges okay yeah i just i'm i don't think i'm into it i don't think i'll come back to that game that's a shame I'm, no offense I'm to any of you who are unless your name is holden and then lots of offense and none taken it's it's okay i, I get it chad you just oh you should me. definitely take some oh i should take some yes. okay i'll take some i'll cry tonight uh and then my parents are huge donkey kong fans and they recently got a switch they bought each other a Switch for their anniversary. Oh, that's nice. And they play uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Did they get different color Joy-Cons, or did they get matching color Joy-Cons? They got Pro Controllers. Nice. their hands are too big, and they don't understand video games a lot. So, Okay. <laughs> they got Pro Controllers. They're using the D-pad and the buttons, because joysticks are hard. But, uh... While I, was, hard. while I was home, we played for about four or five hours into the night one night and got through like we got all the way through like the six world or seven world so we're getting close to the end of the game but it's just a great i we played multiplayer i that's the first time i played multiplayer in this game and it's different from i don't know if donkey kong returns had this i don't think it did but especially the first three on snes when you're playing multiplayer you're actually both playing at the same time usually in the other ones one person's playing, and then they get hit, and then the other person takes over as Diddy Kong or Dixie Kong, whatever. But this one, you're actually both playing at the same time, which is pretty cool. And then you can also, like, they hit R, and they jump on your back, and then suddenly you're both one character moving across the screen, which is pretty cool. Anyway, had a lot of fun with nice. it. Nice. Enjoyed it. I need to get that game still, but I keep telling myself, I need to get new games that are new Get God year. of War. I'm going to get God of War. I Play Wolfenstein is... 1. Play Wolfenstein gonna... 2. <laughs> I really get God of War this Friday. Get God of I'm War this Friday. It. I'm buying it this Friday. I'm going to take the plunge. Dude. I need to play that game this year. Right after we get off of this, go to mm-hmm. Wario64's Twitter, get that $10 coupon, get a PSN code, and then go get down God of War for 10 bucks off. 10 bucks off? Yeah. Ooh. Use the $10 yeah, code to buy a PSN card for like I'll... 20 or 50 bucks, and then use that towards God of War. I'll do that. You fucking better. 
<laughs> but Holden, you're not going to do that right now. So let's open up our quest log and find out what the internet has provided for us. Our first quest is from... I don't know where it's from, but let's take a look at our fetch quests. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is getting more updates. I have to admit, I didn't do any of my reading for this week. So tell me about these updates coming to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Switch. Well, here's the thing. Is we don't know anything about the updates. They just Great. said, hey, awesome. we're going to do more updates. So I don't know if that means tweaks new carts new characters new tracks i have no idea but all right i'm i'm totally down with more mario kart i wonder if they're like going to add more battle mode and things like things that will release with the online service like give people a reason oh, to go yeah, back to mario cool. kart when online launches because well, when it launches be nice no 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 why don't make playing with your so here's the thing about playing online in mario kart uh you can't play with your friends against other people online you can only play with your friends and the cpu together and I hate that. I really hate that. Interesting. I want to play with my friends against real people. I bet that's going to be part of the update. I, I would imagine. When when it launches in September, they've got to have something to play on it and a reason for you to go back to Mario Kart and go back to ARMS and back to excuse me, yeah. Splatoon. Interesting. Well, Splatoon, they don't need people to go back to. They just need people to stay playing Splatoon. And they need people to stop well. cheating. Did you see all the, the anti-cheating yeah, stuff on I it? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. The person who hacked the leaderboards to say, please include anti-cheat stuff. Yeah, so he just like, player, it was like the top four slots was, please stop anti-cheat. Were the four, like, top four positions, because he cheated his way up to the top. And they banned him. <laughs> Good. I mean, I mean, at they, least he they got the message heard. his advice. Well, he knew his accounts were going to get banned, yeah. but... I mean, Nintendo should have done that, but they also need to stop anti-cheating. Because I've played Splatoon before and gotten people who are godlike, and I know it's not because they're that good. It's frustrating. Definitely not. Anyway, speaking of frustrating, um, Konami shut down a fan-made <laughs> PT Why did you remake. say it like that? Why did you say Konami? Konami. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember Toonami? No, you didn't have oh, cable. My, I do remember Toonami. That was on Cartoon Network. That was their like uh, morning, Saturday morning. Speaking wasn't of Cartoon Network, sorry, quick sidebar. You know what I remember today for the first time in a long time? Oh, Chad, you're killing me. Do you remember me. Cow and Chicken? No, but I remember dun, people dun, telling dun, me dun, about dun. it. Cow and Chicken. Cow so and Chicken. Anyway, I sorry, continue. A, no, I just I didn't I didn't watch kids. I didn't watch a like, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, or Cartoon Network growing up. But I do know what Toonami is. I was a lame kid. Um, anyway, so Konami <laughs> shut down a fan-made PT pro, uh, PT remake, which you should seriously go and watch a video of this. It looks identical to PT. It's really remarkable that, that one 17-year-old kid did this. On the positive side of the story, they Konami shut it down, but then gave the kid an internship. Oh. So they basically said, like, hey, look, we, we can't let you do this, but clearly... You're extremely talented. Why don't you come work for us? Or we have least... terrible work environments and our authority. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make games anymore, awful. but you should come work for us. Uh, Do so, you yeah, like pachinko machines? Cool. <laughs> I think they handled that as well as they could have. They're, I mean, obviously, they're not going to let that stay up. Yeah. Even though that's stupid because it's not like they want to release that game either. But whatever. Sometimes that's a great way to honestly get noticed by creators. That's true. I have heard stories I think that of was people a... who have... There's well, the there was... um, Mega Man game, like a fan-created mm -hmm. Mega Man game that then eventually Capcom is like, we're going to release this for Mega Man Anniversary Day. Like this fan-created game, we're going to release yeah. it as a Mega Man game. Well, there's all sorts of stories of people making um, like Nintendo remakes of games, like remaking Metroid 2 or something like that. Yeah. And Nintendo is something really nice, which is 
they ignore the person and make the game on their own anyway and <laughs> release it. They have a good tactic of that. Just kidding. A good story, though, this week. I think this is actually the first time I've really seen a big Switch bundle program. So Best Buy is doing this Nintendo Switch bundle where for $330, you can get the Switch and then bundle one of four games. And the four games are no-brainer options. Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Mario Odyssey, and Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I would say half of those are great. I'd say all of them are great games. But, I mean, I don't. even if you don't like some of those games, you can't deny that they are no, those in are, yeah, that like, absolutely, must-have Switch titles. Like the top Switch titles. So that's cool. So basically, you're getting one of those games for half off. You know what trend I and like? you're probably going to buy it anyway. So yesterday and today is, is Amazon Prime Day. And I love that every other retailer is basically having Prime Day as well to compete with them. Mm-hmm. It's like we're getting a new holiday. It's a new Black Friday because Target's having deals. Best Buy's having deals. Everything's having Walmart. Everything's having deals because of Amazon Prime Day. Yeah, no one buys things off Amazon, though. <laughs> You're right. Jeff Bezos <laughs> is just officially the most rich man in history. It's a Ponzi scheme, the whole thing. It's Dude, not real. Have you ever swum in a pond? Swum? Swim, swam, swum? Have you ever swam in a pond? I have. Have you swum? Is that correct? It's swam. Swam is the simple past, but what is the the past participle? Have swum? Swim, swam, have swum. You talk about the next one. I'll look into it because that's important. <laughs> okay. So Nintendo, on, while commenting on Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, also made a comment that they're going to share more Switch Online details in September, just before launch. I don't get this company in some, sometimes. They don't. They, they have odd timing for announcements and when they want to release details. So I presume we'll have a Switch Direct, uh, sorry, a uh, September Direct that will detail the Switch online oh, like a week before it comes out is what it sounds like. And our last fetch quest before we get to the big stories of the week uh, is that there's a new PS4 model uh, with the model number CUH2200, 2200. Or as I like to say, it's K- uh, 2200. It's only on the J- Japan store for right now, but it's most likely going to come everywhere else. This is not a new slim model. It is just a probably a reworking of some components in the current slim model. This isn't like a brand new unit. Gotcha. But it just means they're basically cutting costs and things like that. Sure. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They just might have gotten parts manufactured easily if they do it differently, and they just kind of change some components. So oh, small speaking stuff. of... Like, uh, just a quick small thing that I that I uh, saw. Remember the Nintendo Switch uh, hack that we talked about a few weeks ago where, like, on the graphics chip level, people are able to hack it and there's no fix for it? Uh, Nintendo's infallible, so that's probably not true. Oh, you're right. Well, you added the story. Anyway, I saw this week <laughs> that they're, they've been, like, quietly rolling out or from their factories manufacturing... Oh. New, new models. Switch models. Yeah, new yeah. Switch models with that patch in it. So new hardware might be coming with that. Uh, for the record... Our Switches are now very valuable because they don't have that. That's right. We have the OG. Swum the OG. is used in the pa- present perfect and the past perfect tenses and must be preceded by has, have, or had. So yes, I have swum. He has swum. I've I never swam, heard of swam, swam before. Swum sounds like someone who said that instead of swam. Well, but if I you guess just that's... say I swam versus I have swum, 
I have swam. I guess I have swam doesn't quite sound right either. I have swam. <laughs> I have swag. Oh, speaking of uh, OG Switch units, one mm-hmm. in five Switch owners have a cracked unit on our game potatoes. <laughs> yeah, so the statistic, one in five Switch owners have a cracked unit, not a great sounding statistic. The reason it's a game potato is where that statistic comes from. Yeah, that. what is that? Where does that come from? Tell me. So it comes from the uh, website Nintendo Life, and they asked their own users, their own readers, uh, in a poll whether or not theirs has cracked without accidental damage, like dropping or anything like that. And one in five out of the 1,100-plus people that responded said that theirs has cracked without accidental damage. Here's the thing. Scientifically accurate. Scientifically accurate. Great sample size. It's nothing nothing wrong with Nintendo Life. Nothing against them. Um, It's other people are putting out the – this is like one in five Switch owners. Those people who are reading Nintendo Life – are probably more dedicated to Nintendo than any other company. Their Switch is probably their primary unit that they play games on, which means it gets more usage. We also have no way of knowing if there was no dropping whatsoever. Yeah. We have no way of knowing that. Someone's brother could have dropped it for them. They might not be honest. Who knows? I just woke up and the screen on my Switch was shattered. Yeah. I mean, Chad and I both worked in customer service. We have heard many stories of, oh, my phone just dropped on the carpet. I'm sure it did. That's why it's bent into a J shape. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that statistic from where the source is. Yeah. Also, that just seems like a very high number for something that I haven't seen anyone have experiences with. But we've seen a lot of people who have, like, in our own lives, who have had cra- uh, bent switches. Yeah. A lot of people that we know have had that. I don't know anyone who's had a cracked Switch. No one. I actually haven't looked at mine. I saw the story, but I haven't looked at my Switch to see if it's cracked or not. Yeah, because you probably keep it in the dock and never take it out. No, it's always in the case. Oh, it's always in the case? I don't play in You also just mode. don't touch it. You don't touch it. You don't like Nintendo. I bring it with me everywhere. I just rarely play it. Do you really actually, bring it with you everywhere? It's always in my backpack because I always go oh, to work cool. saying, oh, I'm going to play my Switch on my lunch break, and then I fall asleep instead. <laughs> well, that's all for the game potatoes. Chad, let's jump into our main stories for the day. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip to one that I know a lot about. Yeah. Uh, the last one on the list. Microsoft will not delay Crackdown 3 further, apparently. Yes. So uh, with a few, I believe this was from Eurogamer, where yeah, they had Eurogamer. a few interv- interviews with Phil Spencer and things like that. Uh, things. Phil Spencer's a person, Holden. God <laughs> damn you. Um. So Microsoft obviously... Had, a, had originally planned for this game to come out in 2016. Then it got delayed to November Wait, did it 2017. Not? Did it oh. not? Did it slip our minds? Oh, no. This came out it. with Crew 2, Crew Harder four years ago. <laughs> uh, no, it did not come out in 2016. It got delayed to 2017, November 2017. Then got... Because uh, they intended to launch that with the Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Xbox One X. And then it got delayed to 2018. And then... Of course, at E3, we heard about the delay to February 22nd, 2019, which is the new <laughs> day that everything in the world is coming out. I have a note on that that we'll get back to in a second. All right. Um, uh, they, and they said that uh, they are unwilling to move it any further. They, they originally moved it from that date because, one, they want more um, time to work on it and polish it, but also to avoid Red Dead, Call of Duty, and Assassin's Creed this fall. But then it turns out smart. that— 
well, it's smart, but then it turns out so did everyone else, like the Division and Metro and um, Days Gone, everything. Days Gone, Anthem. Anthem. Yeah, everything else is also coming out in that time frame now. But they pretty much said enough was enough. Like we've got to fucking release this game. Yeah, I, I, it's a good point. Like we wanted to avoid these games that were around our release date, and now we're going to put on a day where everything is releasing on that same day. It does seem like a weird trade off, but. Yep. It's it's more than just that. There's also were issues with uh, the the kind of cloud technology they were talking about. So having this multiplayer mode where the environments were 100% destructible, and that was in thanks to cloud power that would have given them 20 times the power of the Xbox One through the power of the cloud, and they had a hard time getting that technology to to work. There were also some confusions over the responsibilities of certain developers. There have been a few developers working on this. Yeah. Uh, one is Sumo Digital. Uh, they also developed Snake Pass and Team Sonic Racing, which are very different games than Crackdown <laughs> yeah. 3. Like, shockingly different. Snake Pass I played, and that's a really small game. I mean, that could have been made by a few people when you see the kind of stuff that indies release nowadays. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I also think I remember reading somewhere like six months ago that the original developer who started Crackdown 3 is no longer working on the project? Is that true? Um, yeah, so in the article, yeah. So he, someone, what was the guy's name? It's in Instapaper. Um, I'll find his name, but he left in September 2017. So last year he left. Um, weird, I highlighted this article, but it's not highlighted anymore. You dumb Where bitch. Was it? I'm a dumb bitch. You dumb bitch! You're going to move the, the guy's bunk? name is Jones, but where's his first name? James Earl? Dave Jones. He's a creative director at a company called Reagent Games. Um, he came on in 2015. They announced at a GamesCon, and then he left in September 2017. So he wasn't there that long. Is that what you're referring to? I think that might have been it. You keep talking. Okay. I'm looking at the Wikipedia part. Yeah, you're fine. So Sumo Digitals is one of the games... Excuse me, one of the companies that worked on the game. The other company are, um, are other ones called Rufian and Red Kite Games. Which There's a lot of developers working in this game. It's a big project. They've also, with all that, haven't had very consistent leadership throughout. And as a result of that, the project has lacked focus. So just it's kind of been off the rails, it sounds like. And they've been trying to reel it in. I really think it sounds like and this is something that I didn't put in the notes, but in the interview is reading that like Phil Spencer's a really big fan of Crackdown Three. He's the uh, Crackdown franchise. He's the one who decided to greenlight the third one, and I think he's really trying to make this work. And I just don't think it's working from what mm-hmm. it sounds like, at least. And I think moving it away from Reddit Redemption was kind of a way of them saying, "Hey, look, it's not going to be bad, but when you have an a." good not great game going up against red dead redemption 2 it's gonna look like a weak game yeah and i think that was a, a big part of it I, I don't know if the the other games coming out days gone metro exodus and anthem maybe anthem can but i don't think those games could really make crackdown 3 look really bad if it's just good whereas i think red dead could make a game like this look bad What I did is I actually looked at the sales numbers for Crackdown and all the other games coming out. Well, I'll explain. So Crackdown won 
sold 1.5 million units worldwide. Crackdowns 2 only sold 1.12 million units. So it's never really been a huge franchise. Definitely a, a good one, for sure. But nothing massive. So the other companies going up there, like Metro, um, I didn't get a lot of numbers on the first two releases, but the Metro Redo that came out sold just under a, a million copies. So that's not really a huge threat to Crackdown. They're kind of in the same ballpark. Um, Sony Bend, they're the ones who are making Days Gone. They Their last four games were Uncharted Golden Abyss, Resistance Retribution, which is an awesome game, by the way. Easily the better of the two uh, Resistance mobile um, portable games. Portable, yeah. The other two uh, games they released were Siphon Filter Logan's Shadow and Siphon Filter Dark Mirror. Those are their past four games. And, I mean, Uncharted sold the best with 1.62 million. Resistance was 900,000. And then the Siphon Filter games were like 500 and 600,000, respectively. So, like, not huge con- contenders there. Sony Band doesn't have a, a big following. And I don't think many people care about Days Gone. So I don't think they have too much to worry about there. So Metro, not a huge concern because it's not a huge franchise. Yeah. Same with, with Sony Bend. And then Bioware, they're releasing a new franchise, but their games do sell incredibly well. Their past four games were all Mass Effect games. Andromeda was the worst selling of the four at 2.33 million, which is just a little bit under both the Crackdown games total combined. And then Mass Effect 2 is... Uh, Sorry, Mass Effect 3 was their highest-selling Mass Effect game. That was 5.45 million. So I think Anthem is the real game for them to worry about. Yeah. I mean, the other two games don't aren't you know, either aren't a new or either a new franchise or are a franchise that not many people know about. So I think Crackdown actually does have a good name to live up to. And on February 22nd, I think it might actually do well as long as the game's not bad. Well, we'll see if how that good, goes. If it's good, I think it might be okay, actually. I want for my birthday for it to do well. Do you really? I do. Why? Why do you care? I want Microsoft to actually be good. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to succeed. And I'm happy with the direction it's going, so I want them to have some successes. That is fair. I talked a lot there. Do I care about it? Details. No. Oh, I don't care about the game at all, but I, I can appreciate but I want them to. I want them to be successful. I want Microsoft to be successful as well, but I don't think it's going to happen until Xbox 2 at this point. Successful, I don't mean that in terms of making money. I just mean in terms of reclaiming their, their uh, the brand recognition they once had in games. Yeah. Even I think that's a harsh way of putting it. They're not in a bad place. They're just not in a great place. But All a quiet right, moving place. Great on. movie. Moving on. I want to talk about one more since you just talked a lot. I'll give you your mouth a break. That's Thank what you. she said. Um. Epic, Epic Games, who who created and licenses out Unreal Engine that so many games are made from, uh, did something pretty awesome this week. If you make a game in Unreal Engine, and maybe you are a programmer or you're a designer, but you're not an artist, there is a marketplace, the Unreal Marketplace, where you can go and say, hey, I need a tree for my game, but I don't want to make a tree. There are people like, cool, I made a tree in Unreal Engine. You can buy mine. You can pay a few bucks or whatever it is to use that tree in your game. Or you can be a person model, or it can be a car, or it can be a building. So people go out there, and people sometimes make a living or supplement their income by just making things for other people to use in their games. And traditionally, in a lot of these marketplaces, uh, 
from that, it's also very common in like digital storefronts like iOS App Store and PSN and things like that. The creator will get 70% of the revenue from it. And then the host company, so Epic's Unreal site, will get 30% of it. Well, this week, Epic said, listen, we made Fortnite, and it is a crazy success. We are making hand over fist money from it that we no longer need as much money from the Unreal Marketplace because we're able to support ourselves and our projects moving forward using Fortnite money. So because of that, we're going to give creators now 88% instead of 70%, which is huge. That's a big change. Not only did they do that, but they also went retroactive in any sale that has been made since the Unreal Marketplace opened up in 2014. They are retroactively paying out that extra 18% as well, which is yeah, that's, crazy. That's the real amazing thing to me. They did yeah. not have to do that, and nobody would have blamed them. Nope. So I think that's really awesome. One, that they're using their money and their success for good to pay these developers and these creators back. But two, that they're shaking up the traditional model and the traditional payment scheme. Like, people are now Mm -hmm. going to be like, oh, I could go develop in Unity or I could make my own thing. Or now I have the choice of Unreal and I know that the creator that I'm going to buy stuff from gets a lot more of that profit. Maybe I'll go and support that platform instead. Well, it's so smart. it's going to drive competition. No, it's exactly smart for that for that reason. If they can get more developers to come to Unreal Engine, they'll make up the difference if they can get enough people to come over. Yep. And in treating people well, that usually gets people to come to you. Usually. Yep. So it's it's good. I'm very very happy of Epic for doing that. I think it's one of the honestly, I'd say it's one of the nicest stories of the year so far. Way to go, Epic! Way to go. Speaking of Epic, um, side note: I downloaded Fortnite to my Switch. Still haven't played it. I did promise the kids at work, though, that I would play it by tomorrow when I see them. So I've got <laughs> to play it tonight, I guess. I played one match and then deleted it. So did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Alex Schuyler wants me to text him and play with him so that he can teach me the, what little he knows about the game. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of Epic, we have a new Spider-Man game coming out. We have some new information about it. And it's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. I think this is... I'm curious in a positive way what Insomniac does here. Because I think the story is going to get some bad press. I don't think it deserves the bad press. The story is there's going to be no day-night cycle in Spider-Man. So the uh, creative director, Brian Inatar? 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 He responded to a fan question on Twitter, and he just said there's going to be no full day-night cycle. Uh, I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay with that, too. I don't have an issue with that. Um, he didn't really expound upon what he means by that, but I'm sure what it means is they want to have control over the day-night cycle for thematic and cinematic effect. Exactly, and it's so much easier. It's, first of all, you already have difficulties in telling story in open-world games. Yeah. But when you do have control over, well, this part of the story is going to happen at night, or this part of the story is going to happen during the day, and you're not leaving it up to chance whatever time the, the player happens mm-hmm. to stumble upon that mission then it just makes your story that much easier to tell. And, I mean, we've seen a lot of open-world games successfully do this. We, I mean, Infamous is one that comes to mind. Infamous and Infamous 2. Like, mm-hmm. there are specific parts of those games that take place during... I don't remember whether Second Son did it. Uh, but Last Light or First Light? Infamous First Light. You play the whole thing at night because it's all based around neon powers. So it just really cool to see those at night. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that's anything to really... I'm actually kind of excited about it because it opens up more creative opportunities for them to deliver a really great story with Spider-Man. 
Yeah, I mean, if this is them just saying, hey, we're going to have it be daytime all day long, okay, that's not great. But I don't think that that's what Insomniac's doing here. They're no. a really good developer. I don't think that's their plan at all. And, I mean, we already saw the Sinister Six, like, the the prison breakout thing at E3. Yeah, it takes place at night. That yeah. takes place at night, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's actually a smart move because if you think about superhero, in, in particular, the superhero story... Things play out differently in night than they do during the day. Nighttime is the night where the criminals come out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you need so flashlights. Flashlights. No, because <laughs> they, they might want to control that more. As opposed to just having a system set up where every 12 minutes when it becomes nighttime, more bad guys are outside. But only for 12 yeah. minutes. Like, that might be kind of weird. So I, I can see why they would do that. Two stories left here. Um, you know I what I appreciate about you? What? Even though... You aren't a huge fan of JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Anytime that you're like stalling and making noises to fill the silence, you always do the Final Fantasy theme song. <laughs> I love that theme song. It actually wasn't what I was intentionally or thinking what I was doing there. Did it sound like that? That yes, that's exactly what it is. And I've, I've noticed it several times. Oh, when I get uncomfortable in like a silence, or if somebody, if I'm like in an elevator with a person, and like maybe I farted. I'll start humming Jolly Old St. Nicholas. I don't know why, but that's the I'm uncomfortable song. So if you're ever around me in real life and you hear me humming Jolly Old St. Nicholas, it means something around me makes me uncomfortable. Well, I haven't heard you sing, sing that before, so that's probably a good sign. All right. Yeah. But no, uh, the reason I sing that theme song is I loved Final Fantasy III on the DS. On the dick sucking. That was a great game. Very good game. <laughs> Speaking of good games... Um, Dead Space 4, we heard some, heard information, blah, we heard some information about what that game could have been. Not us God personally. Damn, I want to reboot of that series. I do too, and this concept sounds so cool. So Ben Wanat, I don't know how to pronounce it, is it Wanat? I don't know. Oh, He's no. the creative director of Dead Space. Talk to Eurogamer. Eurogamer is killing it lately. Yeah, Eurogamer is getting all them scoops of ice cream. <laughs> they talked, he talked about what Dead Space 4 could have been and he basically said there was going to be open areas to explore where the setting of the of the game is going to be on a few ships that are kind of clustered together and be going between the, the different ships which kind of sounds like a cool idea for a Dead Space game where you have these open environments you can just explore I want that so bad that sounds great Yep. the story would have involved a necromorph apocalypse so things have escalated with the necromorphs I don't know what happens in Dead Space 2 or 3. I only played the first one. Even though I loved that game, I don't know why I didn't go and play the other ones. So I don't know where the story goes after that. Um, and it also would have had a female protagonist, which is Ellie Langford. Is she in the other two games? I don't remember. She might have been. Did you play all three? I played Dead Space 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, I didn't play Extraction, but I think that one starred a female person. Possibly, maybe. That was, the, that was the Wii exclusive one for a while, and then it came to PlayStation with the Move controllers. And... Very, very know. cool. I Why hasn't this game happened? I feel like the Dead Space game would sell very well. That's what I thought, too. But yeah. apparently the rest of the fucking world doesn't. Man, I even platinum Dead Space 1, and that's where you have to like go through on hard mode only using the plasma cutter, and you only get like a certain number of saves. That game was good. It was good. Speaking of not games, Germany is banning <laughs> undated or temporarily dated pre-orders. I'm so not words, against this. I'm not against this. I think this is a good idea. Basically, uh, a consumer protection group, which is the, the name of it is Dusseldorf Consumer, 
<laughs> they're a German company. Uh, they're a German. I mean, uh, they brought up the issue of consumers having the right to uh, having the right to having a release date before they put money down on a pre-order for a game. And the higher regional court of Munich decided that was a good thing, as they put a ban on pre-orders with vague release dates. So in other words, if they said Last of Us Part Two is coming out in 2019, pre-order now. Yeah, that's not okay in Germany. Or Can't if like that. GameStop just lists like a a quarter end of quarter release date, like September 20 or September 31st, 2018, mm-hmm. when all they led, said was quarter three. Yeah, I think this is a great idea, but it being Germany only means that it won't actually change anything anywhere else. Yeah, it'll change things in Germany. But I think this is smart, and it's good for developers, I think, too. Because they don't, I feel like one of the great things about like Bethesda, besides this most recent E3, is when they say, hey, Fallout 4 is coming out this fall, and they don't say this whole, like, hey, we're going to release like Final, like Square Enix, we're going to release Final Fantasy 7 remake <laughs> at some point, pre-order now. But they did say, Elder Scrolls 6 coming sometime in the next 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's why I said besides this most recent E3. Um, and I just don't think, alright, so, I'm not explaining myself very well. Think of it this way. People have a problem with this Atari console because they're putting money down That's on a exactly console that what seems I like of. it might not exist. Or it seems fake. Like, give us money now before this comes out. Like, they need more money to, to pay for the, the console. In this case, pay for the game. They need more money to pay someone to decide what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I feel like once a game has a firm release date, it's, it's pretty close to being ready. Like, you can't change it at this point yep. in any drastic way. So, boom. Good for Germany. Saboom. Good for Germany. Well, are you ready to move on to the main quest? I think we are. Man, it's been 53 minutes, but this has flown by. This is We're good conversationalists. By. Good conversationalists. I enjoy our talks, Holden. <laughs> I enjoy weather. Do you like weather as well? Mwah, sunny. <laughs> so we're going to do our mid-year review. We are now half, actually more than halfway through the year. Oh my and we're going to just go through... Shoot me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go through January to June and just talk about some of the big games of each of those months. And then what are kind of our biggest disappointments of the year? And what are our games of the year so far? Now, because this is June to or January to June, like I can't talk about Octopath Traveler, even though that is in my top of the year so far. This All is right. just January to June. All right. So if anything's not mentioned that's come out very recently, that's probably why. All right. Let's start off with Jan Jan. Yeah, so a couple of key games that came out in January. Uh, I know top of a lot of people's, well, not necessarily top, but very high on a lot of people's Game of the Year watch list so far is Celeste. Ooh, yeah. We spoke very favorably of it. Yeah. Definitely, I think, number two on my Game of the Year so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's available on everything, right? Definitely at home on Switch. Yeah, I have it on Switch. I guess it's on PS4 and Xbox and PC, but... I think it is. You should buy it on Switch if you have a Switch. It's a good game for Switch. Uh, Monster Hunter World also seemed to have like revitalized Capcom Yeah, in January. Lots of people were all over that thing. Um, that's one that I'm still like, I kind of upset that I missed the bandwagon on that. Monster Hunter? Yeah. I, I thought that, and then I remembered I tried playing the games before many times, and I've not liked them each time I've played them, so. Yeah, yeah. And then and the inpatient totally bombed. 
<laughs> yeah, you were excited for the Impatient. I was. I didn't actually end up ever buying it because of all the reviews. But the Impatient was the uh, set 40 years before the events of Until Dawn or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The PlayStation VR title. And did not do well. No, badly reviewed. I don't think it sold very well either. It's yeah. not good. Uh, other big game that came out in January was Dissidia Final Fantasy NT, which I haven't heard about it too much since, but that was a pretty big release at the time. Yeah, it was a big release. I remember not liking it. I thought there was way too much going on. It was so hard to understand. Did you play it? Yeah, because they had like that free... Oh, I don't the remember demo. whether it was like a free no, weekend like a, um... or a demo or... It was uh, a beta. They had a beta. Yeah, that's what it was. I, I didn't play it. But I did uh, play some games that came out the following month. Yeah, we did. Do you remember Shadow... Have you ever beat Shadow Colossus yet? I haven't beaten it yet. Oh, you dumb bitch. I know. I'm a dumb bitch. It's a beautiful game. I haven't beaten it. <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus, amazing. God, I forgot that came out. It's so good. I need to go back to that and finish platinuming it. Oh, so you didn't finish it, Chad? Oh, uh, no. I finished it. I got to platinum it. You dis- I got through like half of the time trials, a little bit of hard me, mode. Chad. He disgusted me. Uh, Bayonetta one and two came to Switch. I beat one, still got to start two, three along the way. Haven't played one or two yet. Heard it's good. You told me it was good. Uh, tell me about Moss, Chad. You played Moss. In oh February. yeah. If Inpatient was a bad PSVR game, everyone was looking forward to. Moss was a fantastic PSVR game, and uh, it's that little one with the mouse. I forget the name of the mouse, but mm-hmm. she's traveling around. And, it's a oh, moss. Quill. It's Quill. Is it Moss? No, it's Quill. Is it? But it's is Quill. It but oh. it's such a great little puzzle game platformer with a little bit of action in there. We're maybe. controlling you as the spirit as well as the mouse walking around the puzzles. It's good. Maybe, good. maybe, but Chad, maybe Quill's last name is Moss. Quill Moss. Holden. Metal Gear Survive also came out in February. <laughs> That was a and can now be picked up for two dollars and fifty cents in a bargain bin at Best Buy. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance is going to came out in February. Did you hear anything about this game, Chad? I actually, I've heard the title a lot, and I thought, oh, that's that DC comic. Oh wait, no, it's not. It's a video game. And then I was like, <laughs> is this the the medieval game that's like not fantasy medieval? It's just like actual. Yeah, you're it's a knight. Mid- and... It's uh, medieval Bohemia. That means nothing to me. Okay, well, that's a place. <laughs> and it takes place there in medieval times. Uh, it's an independent game. Medieval times, like the cable guy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it was a good game for being an indie game. It is actually known for being very historically accurate, which has also gotten it in trouble. Uh, being medieval Bohemia, there There's aren't of a lot of boobies and wieners mind- hanging out? No, there's a lot. No, there's a lot of not a lot of minorities. There's a lot of white people who are in that game. So oh, the yeah. game was criticized for not being diverse enough, even though that time period and that place people of color didn't exist until the 1700s. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true, not what right? I'm saying. No, it just that that specific area was primarily white during the medieval times. Gotcha. That that's what it is. Black people existed. <laughs> <laughs> They were definitely a thing. There are more people in the world than just whites and blacks, Holden. That's why you got to say that, people that is of color. True. That is true. But in America, it's it's everything's white and black. Oh, my God. You black racist. I'm such a racist. I'm a bigot. Well, it's not bigoted. The month of March. Diverse. So many games. You are an idiot. That was a terrible segue. 
I had to switch us off of a racist conversation. But you're right. There's a lot of diverse games. Yeah, a lot out. of diverse types of games that came out Let's from the see. classics, such as A Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves, swing oh. and a miss, Microsoft. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> They're looking for A Way Out, which is also a game that came out in March. A, Boom! A, How is that? A pretty okay, fun, mediocre game. Yeah, I can agree with that. Pretty cool concept, fun because I got to play it with you. Not fun if I had to play it by myself. Yeah. Uh, Nino Kuni 2. I wish that actually got more attention. It yeah. It kind of came and went. Kind of did kind of come and went. I didn't think it was – nothing – no one said it was a bad game. They just – no one liked it as much as the first one. Mostly because it got out, overshadowed by Far Cry 5, oh, which was on everyone's, uh, everyone's watch list yeah. for that month. Uh, also on everyone's watch list for that month was Detective Pikachu. Oh, my God. That game was so baby. <laughs> I remember you played the demo of it, and you're like, I'm so glad I played the demo because I know I never want to play that game ever nope, again. Nope. It is a baby game for babies. <laughs> Speaking of baby game for babies, Kirby Star Allies also came out in March. Yeah, again, uh, another baby platformer. Yep. Here's how I know this is a baby platformer. I got two hours into that game and thought, yeah, I'm really not liking it. I got bored. Wait, you were so excited for that I game. I was. I was excited. I liked the demo. I'm like, oh, the demo is fun. I get it simple, but it's the early levels. It'll get more complex. And I'm like, oh my god, it hasn't gotten any more complex. It is just baby game. It Aww. is a baby platformer. And I, this was affirmed for me when I went to Texas to see my brothers, who are 12 and Five or six now, and the six-year-old loved Kirby Star Allies. He thought uh, of it course. was a blast. Baby he already put babies. more time into it than I did because it's a baby game for babies. Final Fantasy Fifteen Royal Edition came to PC, and then of course the expansion came to everything else. Kind of totally changed the game. Yeah, how, wait, it changed the game. Yeah, added entire new worlds and game mechanics, and oh, okay, I guess that changes the game. Yeah. Duh. Devil May Cry HD Collection got re-re-released on consoles. Uh, Coincidentally, right before they announced the new game. Devil May Cry 5. Well, I don't know if you can call that right before. It's three months earlier. Well, in the grand scheme of things. And then everyone was clamoring for Burnout Paradise Remaster, and boom, it happened, and then no one talked about it. Oh my god, that's right. That did come out. I wrote that down, too, and I already forgot about it. But here is the month of months. With the least amount of games, but one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, and that game was Nintendo Labo. Nintendo, Nintendo Labo sets the world on fire. Why? Because it's all cardboard and easily flammable. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, tell me about your favorite game of the year. God of War, everybody. Got that platinum trophy, that sweet, sweet platinum trophy. This game is my favorite game of all time. So obviously, yes, it is my game of the year so far. Uh, it did beat out The Last of Us for my, my favorite game of all time. Blasphemy. Fantastic storytelling, incredible combat, really amazing world and gameplay. I can't fucking wait for more God of War. And I've decided that, yes, when New Game Plus comes out, which they announced at E3, I'm totally going to play it again. Oh, Chad. And then a game that I also think everyone should play, Hellblade. Finally came to Xbox, and then we found out later that Ninja Theory, the developers of Hellblade, is actually... A part of Microsoft now. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. And then also Chad's excited about South Park Fractured Butthole is on Switch as well. Came yes. Came out in April. 
Oh, by the way, there was a uh, today there was a Ubisoft like earnings call, mm-hmm. and on it they detailed future releases. And apparently, sometime before September, South Park Stick of Truth is finally being put on Switch as well, the original game. But are they going to give it to people for, for free who already bought Fractured Butthole? Because I don't think so. Stick of Truth came with Fractured Butthole. If you didn't pre-ordered it? Fractured Butthole, you got Stick of Truth immediately to play. Uh, it didn't come okay. separately until long after Butthole came out, but it was in a purchase item. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. May saw the release of what everyone was waiting for, really, and that is Stardew Valley to come to Vita. Yeah, I long live the Vita. When I saw that, there was a Vita game that came out this year. Yeah, and a big one too. Actually, Stardew Valley is a pretty big game. So that's not the joke? biggest game that came out in May. Another biggest game that came out from in May was Resident Evil 7 Biohazard Cloud version <laughs> for Switch. <laughs> uh, a uh, cloud-based game on Switch. That's like uh, interesting experiment. We know how uh, we feel about that. Go back and listen to the episode and, and hear us almost kill each other. Talk about it. Ugh, no, it was not two. Disgusting. It was like two months ago episodes. Was it two months ago? Yeah. It we was talked about it two. No, we, we did talk about two episodes ago. I though. hate you. <laughs> Because we talked about it uh, in, in regards to apparently more cloud games coming to Switch. So we did talk about two episodes ago. More Boom, cloud Chad. games! Uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze came out in May, but we already talked about that because Chad's playing baby games again. Chad, what else did you play that came out in May? Because you played a lot in May. Detroit Become Human! Boom! It and in my be. head... Did I it finish should. this game? Is it shit? It's shit, right? I can't remember if I beat this or not. I was can't on remember if you beat the game. It must have not had a great ending. I remember us being... Memorable. Maybe... Oh, no. We're on, like, the last chapter. Because I'm like, man, we're on a chapter where everything kind of comes together. Okay. Damn it. I can't believe I... Ca- uh, I was real enthralled on that, and then I went on vacation for a week and wasn't able to play it with my roommates. So now I've got to... Fuck. I've got to go back and... Oh, and Chad, you're that. letting me down. Dark Souls Remastered, except for Switch, which is the, really the only one anyone womp, cared about. Womp. And State yeah, of Decay 2. About that. State of Decay 2 came out? Oh, that's right. It did. It did come out, yeah. Again, no one cared. <laughs> uh, June. Let's go to June. This is our last month in the first half of the year. And this includes such great games as Crew 2. Crew which Harder. Which is also known as A Need for Crew, is what I'm calling it this week. Fast Crew. No, it's just, it's a need for crew, like a need for speed. It's a need for crew. The crew of the Furious. Did you get it? Yeah. I already wrote the crew of the Furious. That was last week. Did you? Yeah. The fate of the crew. The fate of the crew. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Crew 2 came out. Luminous Remastered came out in June. Mario Tennis. Aces obviously came out in June. Um, Unravel 2 is a surprise release. <laughs> that guy at the conference... Oh my god! <laughs> it drops the, today. Oh my god! I remember that. Sushi Striker The Way of Sushido. Really weird game. I played the demo of this, and oh my god, it's so Japanese. It's like very Japanese anime in its cutscene style. And I'm not very much into anime. Nothing against it. Well, look at you. Turning racist left and right. <laughs> Such a racist. <laughs> Um, and then this game called Vampire came out. Did you hear about Vampire at all, Chad? Yeah, apparently it's like an okay game. No, I heard it was pretty good. More than okay. It's a vampire RPG. 
I've heard good things about it, and it got totally overshadowed because it came out like the week of or the week before E3. Apparently, there are a lot of technical glitches with it. Oh, I just heard good things about it. But the, I have a list here of, in June in particular, the Switch port Arama because there are so many Switch ports that came out. In yeah, June. and good ones. Good ones, too, yeah. So we'll start with some of the weaker ones, like uh, De Blob Remastered. Oh, you remember that De Blob from the Wii? Yep, it's coming to Switch. It's remastered. Uh, Wolf Inside 2, The New Colossus came to Switch. Oh, fuck, Christ. yeah. Bandicoot Insane Trilogy came to Switch. Limbo and Inside came to Switch. As we mentioned, Fortnite Battle Royale is came to Switch. And Hollow Knight came to Switch. Ooh, that's a, a good of, month like, for Switch. Ports coming to Switch, yeah. But really good ports. Inside, if you haven't played Inside, oh my god, play that game. It is incredible. It's, it's so great. good. Wolf Inside 2, though, everyone should play it. Especially you. Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> no, I will play that game. I just, I have so many games I have to play. So we're going to do our games of the year. Before, I, uh, of the year so far. Before we do that, though, I want to just talk about some of our biggest disappointments of the year. Like things we haven't seen so far this year that we really thought we were going to see. Or just things that happened we didn't like. Chad, do you have anything you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah, Sea of Thieves, I think, is one of my biggest disappointments. Like, as we were, the the weeks leading up to Sea of Thieves, I was really starting to turn around on that game. All of the marketing for it, the it attention fun. to detail, the achievements, like how they were like riddles themselves to figure out what you had to do was cool. So I really thought that they were going to put a lot of love and attention into it and that it was going to take off. And then it just, it wasn't what it needed to be and no one gave a shit anymore. Uh, so that was definitely maybe my biggest disappointment of the year. Plus, you need to justify your Xbox purchase. Yep, yep. <laughs> you have, like, nothing to play in your Xbox. Yeah, I haven't turned it on in a long time. Do you regret getting your Xbox at all? No, because I use it... Well, okay, I do turn it on and use it as my 4K Blu-ray player. Oh, okay, so you do use it, okay. Yeah. Strange that PS4 doesn't have a blu uh, I know, that's Blu-ray so player. fucking stupid. And that's in the Pro as well, right? Yep. That's that's the stranger one to me. Slim, okay, they're saving money. PS4 Pro, that's the one you're supposed to be pushing the boundaries of technology with. But well, I guess everything's not. going to streaming. Yeah, people like physical. I'm I'm a digital streaming only kind of person, but people like their physical collections still. Uh, so one of my biggest disappointments of the year is just not seeing Animal Crossing. I was so convinced after Pocket Camp came out at the end of last year that I'm like, oh, in January they'll show it off as coming out in like the summer or something like that. We haven't heard anything. Like, why did they bother releasing Animal Crossing Pocket Camp at that point when it could have served as like a good marketing piece for the main game? And I feel like they're so spread out from each other now. So I, I, I was very let down by that. Same thing goes with with uh, Metroid Prime 4. Just seeing nothing of that game this year has really bummed me out. Yeah. And, and I think in a lot of ways, E3 was kind of not necessarily a disappointment, but way different than I expected. Yeah, so there was so much that was put out in the weeks ahead of E3 mm-hmm. that it's like... It, was it made really... it kind of relevant. Yeah, a little bit. But not even that, like, I didn't like Nintendo's conference that much. So much focus on Smash. The more I think about Sony's conference, the more I, I don't like it. Microsoft is the only one who really had a good conference. Everyone else's was meh at best. And there was a lot of good games shown off, but a lot of those games we kind of already knew about. So just, I don't know, I was kind of let down by E3 this year as well. Well, hopefully next year 
we'll be able to experience it for ourselves and actually play these games. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ooh, again, give Ooh. us a reason to do that with participation trophy. So, Chad, we're at the end of this little segment here. Before we close it out, I want to know what your games of the year so far have been. Obviously, God of War, number one, world's greatest. You, my boy, Blue. Number two. Not surprised. I would, I would say if I had, like, a list of three, it would be this, followed by uh, Celeste and Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. To Shadow of the Colossus count as a game? I guess it's a remake. If it know. doesn't count, then Just Shapes and Beats. The Just Shapes and Beats? Yeah. I think this is a conversation we should have, because one of the things that I've realized in my games list is, and you have a good list, so many games that came out this year were remakes or remasters or a port yeah. of some kind that most of the games I've played have kind of already come out this year, or before this year. So they, I really only have a handful of games I've played that are new to this year. And most of those I didn't think were great to make it in that listing or not. So I only have two games, and that is um, Celeste. But if we're counting re- like ports and remakes, remasters, that kind of stuff, then Hollow Knight's number two for me. But yeah. I don't know. I've been going back and forth. If Hollow Knight might be one. I really don't know. I need to beat it still. But Hollow Knight is, in- is a really incredible gaming experience. I feel like... I think I think you had mentioned this before. Like, if it's first to console this year, obviously because no one but not Fez gives a shit about PC gaming. <laughs> um, That's no, not a slight kidding. against you, Fez. It it's absolutely only a slight against Fez and not anyone else. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. Just kidding. Uh, no, obviously, yeah. All of these games start out on PC anyway, but. I feel like first a console and that market and that audience. Why not? So I have this question to you then. Not to discredit anything, just just to purely ask you the question. What makes Shadow of the Colossus different then? It's been on PS2 before. It's been on PS3 before. Yeah. So I what think... makes this different? I'm not. I'm not arguing your point. Yeah. I just want to know. I think if I think if it's a remake. Like, if it is, like, built from the ground up, like Shadow of Colossus, Crash Bandicoot, the okay. Spyro Trilly, Trilogy, uh, Resident Evil 2. Like, if these games have been completely remade, that's one thing that, that might make them worth consideration, especially since literally every piece of code in Shadow of Colossus was completely fresh. Yeah. Versus something like the Devil May Cry HD collection, where it's the mm-hmm. same game, just up Yeah. Like, that, I don't, like, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, because like, I didn't include Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for that same reason, which is that it's just the game ported over. There's something really different about it. And it's but the second item adds so much. What was that? Kidding. I'm just kidding. I was, I was mocking you. The second oh. item adds so much. It does. It really does add a lot, though. I, I totally deserve that mocking. That is something I do believe. But, no, but I totally see your point. But, like, with Hollow Knight being on PC and coming to console for the first time, it's being exposed to a lot of people that would, just wouldn't have gotten a PC to play the game anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who the fuck cares? We make our own rules. <laughs> well, Hollow Knight then is... Uh, I don't know. All right, just Hollow Knight and Celeste, no ordering. Just those two games. Just, just those two. I like that they're both indies. 
Yeah, I play a lot of really good indie games. I mean, if I'm being honest, Octopath Traveler is going to be on that list as well, but it didn't come out in the first half of the year, so. You stupid, dumb Octopath. <laughs> so that's uh, our year in review. Let's jump into our weekly forum. Welcome uh, to the weekly forum at Respawn Aim Fire. That's the theme song for weekly forum. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> our barf of the month, so our backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. For the month of July, presented by Chad, is Resident Evil. You can play that however you like. PS1, PS2, PS3, PS4, GameCube, GameCube PC, Xbox, your mom's vagina. The Engage Geo. Nope, don't think that was a thing. Does It wasn't? That was a thing. You can play it as a PS1 Classic on your PSP Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so play it. That'll be on July 31st. We'll record that episode. I just so started playing that two today. Weeks. Nice. Two weeks to get your impressions into us. That will count towards our participation trophy. So because we want to help you guys uh, by supporting your game libraries, by giving you money, but also having you help us build a community of people, uh, we have three ways that you can enter yourself into a raffle to win 20 bucks each month towards the gaming service of your choice. One of them is by playing along with us. Send us a subscriber interrogative. Tell us your thoughts on our barf, like Resident Evil. Send us some fan art. Interact with us on Twitter. Pose us a question. Whatever the fuck it is. Just have fun with us. That'll enter you once a week. Give us a review on a podcast service of your choice. Send us a screenshot. Boom. You're entered again for that week. Refer a friend to us. Have them reach out and say, Hey, so-and-so referred me to you guys. You sound like you probably have big penises. Thank you for the compliment. You both get... (laughs) <laughs> you both get an entry at the end of the month. We'll tally them all up. Pick one at random. Boom. You get 20 bucks. Um, money, money, money. Money. So please, yeah, help us uh, spread the word about how great we are. And then by next summer, maybe we'll have become big enough to make it worth it to go to E3. We also have a poll that we do most Mondays that ends on Tuesday right around this time so that we can uh, share the results of that stupid poll. This one is result is a, a, a result of the cold open that we opened with this week about Nathan Fillion's Uncharted short film. The poll was, if they turned Nathan Fillion's Uncharted short film into a feature, who would you choose to play Chloe? Your four choices were Claudia Black, who was actually the voice actress for it, Zoe Saldana, Scarlett Johansson, and Samuel L. Jackson. Before you, you know say who, who won, won. Before you say who won, who who do you think? I voted for Claudia Black. One because she's the voice actress. She's the voice actress, but also she's a pretty attractive lady in real life as well. And also, seeing Chloe in the game, like that's her voice. Like that's part of what makes her sexy. And obviously, Claudia Boy, Claudia Black. Has a voice. Okay, but is she as sexy as Zoe Saldana? I know. Oh my god. No, as Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson could really pull off the voice of Chloe. You know, you're right. I know. What I'm right. was I thinking? What was I thinking? I know. Little do you know, Samuel Jackson actually did the voice of, for Chloe. You're an idiot. So <laughs> no one voted for Zoe Saldana. Which was surprising to me. That is kind of surprising, actually. Um, we had 20% of the vote go to Claudia Black. We had 30% of the vote go to Samuel L. Jackson. 
I voted there. And then half of all <laughs> voters wanted to whitewash Hollywood again with Scarlett Johansson. Damn you, racist! Damn listeners. you, racist! Uh, Jerson, by the way, King kidding. Snow, Jerson, ASS on Twitter, uh, told us that Samuel L. Jackson would do a really good Chloe. Yeah, he would. Thank you, Jerson. Thank you, Jerson. You're so thoughtful. I agree. That was our poll for the week. Check back next Monday for whatever stupid thing I put out then. And finally, with our weekly forum, we have our subscriber interrogative, which this week comes from Smaldon Nicardo. That's me. Holden, so did you I had, Smolden's question? Yeah, I had the question. Uh, well, Smolden had a question. And that was, how much should development team size influence perception from critics or players? Give us a little background on why you chose this question. So I've been playing Hollow Knight, and I've been really blown away by it. And then I found out that it's, it's made by three people. Three people made that game. And it is, like, shockingly good. It's plays really well it's got great music the upgrades are fantastic the world's fun to explore there's just so much content it's a really really good game i'm thinking okay but just the fact that it's made by three people make me like this game more i already liked the game before i found out it was made by three people but does that change my perception of it uh and that got me thinking about a game like octopath traveler which is probably made by a much much bigger team of of people does that mean i look at that game differently for its flaws like do i forgive certain flaws in hollow knight not that i've really found any because there's a smaller team working on it to the extreme of that no man's sky was made by four people four being made by four people that's a good game but it's not a good game (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. I don't have an answer for it, but I just thought it was interesting to think about. I do feel like I have a pretty definitive feeling towards it, and mm-hmm. my answer is no. Okay. The The team size should not have an effect on the review score of a game. Why is that? Because the game itself, regardless of how many people bought it, or, sorry, regardless of how many people made it, can be a bad game. It's a good game, is a bad game, and I think that it should be able to stand alone as a work of art. When you're sitting in the Sistine Chapel looking up, if you don't know, oh, Michelangelo did all of this by himself, or a whole team of artists came up here and each one did a different part of the roof, it doesn't matter. You still look at it and you're like, that's magnificent. That's incredible. That's kind of where I've ended up, too, um, for two reasons. One is I was thinking about, okay, well, if I saw a movie, right? Like I saw this movie called Unsane earlier this year. All filmed on an iPhone 6S. uh, 7 Plus. And... I liked that movie a lot. I didn't like that movie because it was shot on an iPhone 7 Plus. That might have added to the kind of grained and uncomfortable tone of the movie, but I liked that movie because of the movie, not because of what camera shot the movie. Yeah. I'm sure it had a much smaller budget as a result. They can do shots they couldn't have done otherwise. As a watcher of that movie, that means nothing to me. Like, all the cool things they could do with that iPhone that they can't do with regular cameras because of its size, I'm not really aware of that watching the movie. It doesn't matter to me. And I think at the same time, like, to go back to what you were saying, three people making a game is amazing because those three people put effort into making that game. A thousand team people making a game is amazing because there's an organizational structure that has to be super efficient to get a game that's cohesive to come out. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of games where 
odd decisions get made, and it might just be because communication wasn't great between different parts of the development team. Like these teams can be massive. I think Mass Effect Andromeda was like a thousand person team working on that game. Yeah, That's, across I mean, several studios. And that game didn't turn out great. But it's still it's probably because the organizational structures weren't there to make that game as good as it possibly could have been. So I think each no matter what extreme you're on, whether that's a really small development team or a really big development team, there are challenges with both. So yeah. I've kind of settled on that. But I do think regardless of that, like it's not it shouldn't affect your review score of a game, but there is something to be said for wow, Hollow Knight was made by yeah. three people. That's is really it incredibly impressive? impressive? Yes. But also, yeah. is the game good? Yeah, like no one playing the game for the first time being like, oh, I heard Hollow Knight was good because it was made by three people. No, they just heard Hollow right. Knight was a good game and they should play it. Right. Interesting Most discussion. Don't care about such things. Thank you for bringing Chad, that up, Smolden. Your opinions are always helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Remember oh. that next time when we talk about Resident Evil Cloud version. No. That case you're um. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes this week's episode of Respawn Aim Fire. Reach out to us on Twitter at Respawn Aim Fire. Instagram at Respawn Aim Fire. Email respawnaimfire at gmail.com. Participate in our participation award right now. It is a battle. Two entries for Jerson, two entries for Fez. And I know there are a lot more of you. I can tell by the numbers that listen to this. Literally, all you have to do, like, Jerson's reply on the tweet, on the poll that said, Hey, I think Samuel L. Jackson would make a good choice. Boom. That could possibly win him $20. That's all you got to do. Reach out. Help us win the world. We love you. We'll see you next week. A toodles. A ciao.